Now, I'd just like to read tonight, if you have a Bible, in the book of Acts and chapter 4. We've been looking at different uh, parts of this book so far this week, and we've arrived here at chapter 4, and last night we were seeing of, of a group of preachers, of disciples of Jesus who were uh, performed a miracle in front of the people. They gave uh, a man who could not walk, and he, he rose up and he walked, and they said, this man has been made whole because of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not going to read the verses here at the start of chapter 4, but there were some religious people who did not take so kindly to this message. And so it says they would put these men into custody, and here they are presenting their case before the judges, if you would, defending what they have done. And we're going to break in at verse number 5. And this is after they've been put in custody. And it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 5, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. The, the who's who of that day, the, the important people, religiously and in society, they were there. And it says in verse 7, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now take note of verse 12. This is the verse we're going to focus on this evening. It says this. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Tonight, if you were to ask me of personally, and you can maybe do it after the meeting if, if you feel like it, what gives you hope? What gives you certainty for the future, certainty for eternity? What happens after death? I don't think my answer would be much different than what Peter would say of the man who was healed. He says, by this man, he stands here before you whole. And friends, the only reason I have a certainty of a home in heaven is nothing to do with it, what I've done in my life or will do. It has everything to do with what the Lord Jesus Christ has already done. He died on Calvary. That we could be saved from our sins, that we could be prepared for heaven. And tonight, this, this verse, I, I don't know how much clearer it could be. And the announcement tonight from this tent is no different than the announcement that was made to those important people that day in Jerusalem. And it is this. According to the word of God, according to God himself, there is salvation in no one else but in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're trusting in tonight. I don't know what you're grasping at. Maybe your own works. 
maybe a, a distant religion, a distant God, whatever it might be, the Bible so clearly tells us this, that in no other person, in no other system, in no other credence or creed or device is salvation found except in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We sang at one of the first nights, salvation, oh salvation, enduring precious sound. Shout, shout the word salvation to earth's remotest bound. You know what this same message, this same truth that is found in the verse that we have read here in Acts chapter 4, it is being announced to every nation to the remotest bounds of the earth. And that's what we desire to share this evening. A message clear, a message plain. Salvation only found in Jesus Christ. You know, you can read about salvation throughout the whole Bible. It's interesting, the very first time you read of salvation in the Bible, it comes from one man, Jacob. The first book of the Bible, just one man, and he would say this, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. One man who cried out and waited for the salvation of God. You come to the very end of the Bible. You know what you find there the last time you read about that word salvation? It's not just one man crying out. Revelation says this, After this I heard a great voice of many people in heaven say, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. It starts with one man crying out. The start of your Bible, the very end of the Bible. A, a, innumerable multitude crying out salvation to our God. Oh, that we, our desire would be that everyone would be found in that multitude of people just ascribing praise and honor to God for his wonderful salvation. We found where it, we always start at the top in the middle somewhere. You start right down the bottom, everything's going to crumble. And Jesus Christ is the, is the chief cornerstone. If your foundation, if your faith is not built on him, According to the Bible, it says this, you have no standing. It's all sinking sand. It's all hope and, and, and it's grasping at, at the air, at, at straws. Whatever you might accomplish in this life, none of it will matter. Except what you've done with the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier today, Peter and I were up in New York State and we stopped by at um, a cemetery there up at the Ums and Monuments. And we looked and, and saw some of the names. We tried to search out the biggest monument in that cemetery. And it seemed like the ones who had the biggest monument placed to them were, were, were major generals. A John Buford, a, a Daniel Butterfield. Men that accomplished tremendous things in this country. And, and, and you know what? I don't think many of their deeds maybe are known around the world. But, but honoring, they're honored in this country for what they've accomplished. When you come to the little corner of that cemetery, there's a name there. That was why we went. Just probably one of the smallest stones there in the cemetery. Anna Warner. It said this author of the hymn of the words, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. You know what? Where I live in Costa Rica, you know, you go to the corner of a, of a small village, they're not going to have any idea who John Buford is. They have no idea who Daniel Butterfield is. But you know what? I don't know how many times we sang the word of that woman in a far-off distant land. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. Whatever you accomplish in this life, none of it matters, except for what you've done with Jesus Christ. And tonight, friend, we have read so clearly from the Word of God that, that there is salvation in no other. And maybe tonight you can't identify with knowing that. Maybe you have searched for salvation in another. Salvation in a different place. Many people search for salvation in different places. Some look for it in works, in religion. You'd work hard, you'd try to be a good person. Others, they, they try and be devout to religion, hoping at the end the promise of, of good behavior and obedience will lead to, to something after this life. You know, there's a very famous man who tried for years to find satisfaction, find certainty in his works and his religion, a man by the name of Martin Luther. And this man, who was so devout, he, 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 in his own words, he was pursuing the counsels of perfection trying to live a life of perfection in this earth to the point where his friends feared for his life. The, the extremes he went to of fasting and all these things to try and achieve perfection. And his, he felt that his problem was that he could not satisfy God at any point. And one time he went to the Scala Sancta, the, the Holy Stairs in Rome, Italy. And as he, as he, Climbed each stair. He would stop on each stair and say a prayer. I don't know how long each prayer was, but usually the longer you pray, the holier you feel. And so I'm sure each stair he went up, it was a lengthy prayer. You know, after he got to the very top of those stairs, and, and as, he, as he thought about everything that he'd done, as he ascended to the top of those stairs, trusting in religion and works, this is what he thought in his own words. Who knows whether it's sufficient? And friend, you could work your whole life and maybe you've worked up to this point to have some sort of surety by works and religion. I ask you this, do you know if it's been sufficient? Is it enough? You could always do more. And maybe that is where you've looked for salvation. You've looked for it in another place, in religion and in works. Maybe you're interested in, in, in very popular nowadays. You've looked for it in philosophy. Another place where people look for some sort of self-fulfillment, some sort of satisfaction. It's always interesting to read the dying words of those who are famous philosophers. A life of intellect, a life of, of seeming intelligence and security in this world. You know the last words of Thomas Hobbes, a very famous 17th century English philosopher. He says, now I'm about to take my last step. A great leap into the dark. Despite all philosophy had brought to him in this life, when it came to the point of death, he said, all is a step in the dark. I have no idea what's next. Another famous philosopher, Aristotle, one of the most famous, he said this in the face of death. I was born in sin. I have lived unhappily. I die in death. And friend, if you're trusting in philosophy and works and religion for salvation, when the time comes for you to face death, I don't think you'll have much different a mindset than this man had. I die in doubt. Tonight, the gospel message is a message so that you can die with peace. Die knowing my home is in heaven. Salvation is not found in another. It's not found in ceremony. Some trust in some ceremony they have undertaken. A few weeks ago, last month, I was in uh, Manitoba uh, in, in northern Canada. And there's many Hutterite colonies there. 
and uh, a, a really a religious colony based on works and lived together. And there was a young man I met at a, at a Bible conference I was at, and he said he searched all the teachings, all the all everything that that religion had to offer, and it all culminated in the ceremony of baptism. And so he decided, and, and the time came for him to be baptized with that expectation after that ceremony, peace. And this young man by the name of Cody, he said in his own words, when that water came over his head, tears started to come down. And they weren't tears of peace. He said in his own words, I feel absolutely nothing different. I have no certainty. And what joy when not many weeks later, that that man, he found salvation in the one where only salvation can be found, in Jesus Christ. If you're looking for salvation in another tonight, whether it be another, uh, you say another religious leader, whatever it is, the Bible tells us. And if you're honest with yourself, do you have that peace? Do you have that surety? The Bible here says in these preachers and by the Spirit of God, they would say this. There is salvation in no other. If you have peace tonight, if you're sure, if you're, I'm ready for heaven, well, maybe you don't need this message. But if you feel tonight, and if you're honest before God, of that emptiness, of that uncertainty, of that doubt, of that lack of peace in your life, in your heart, and you would say, I need that. I don't know where to find it. It's only found in Jesus Christ. There is salvation in none other. I love how it says, there is no under name under heaven given amongst men. You can travel to the, the furthest realm of this world. I have a sister that almost lives at the end of the world. If you travel up to northern Canada, already very north, to a city called Winnipeg, maybe more, known to most, I'm sure, but way up in northern Canada. From Toronto, you could drive up from here, probably a 30, 35-hour drive north. And when you arrive there, you're only about halfway to where my sister lives. From there, you get on a train, and you have to travel 48 hours by train up to a city right on the, right on the border of the territory of Nunavut in northern Manitoba, a town called Churchill, Manitoba. Polar bear capital of the world. Now you know who lives there. Polar bear capital of the world. Churchill, Manitoba. A beautiful place in, in some aspects. 300 nights of the year, they experience the northern lights. Have you ever seen that online? Or the, 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 the northern lights, the lighting up the sky, the green. And my sister sent me pictures before. 300 nights of seeing those northern lights. You know, despite that, that awe-inspiring beauty, you know what's very tragic about northern Canada, where my sister lives, is that the, the suicide rate in those areas is almost tripled out of the national average. You can travel to the furthest realm, the furthest place that this world has to offer, and you still won't find peace. But you know what? Up there in Churchill, Manitoba, there still is no other one that you can find salvation in except the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven, no matter where you are on this earth, no matter what country you're from, no matter what country you live in, no other name under heaven given amongst men, whereby we must be saved. When Jesus Christ was born into this world, it was promised. You'll call his name Jesus. Why? You'll save his people from their sin. Is anyone here tonight and you're looking to be saved? Christ himself would say, he would declare himself, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except by me. You tonight could maybe understand why Christians can sing with such joy. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, no other ground is sinking sand. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. We must be saved. You say, well, yes, we, we as human beings, we as individuals, we must be saved. But the gospel is a very personal message. Could you tonight see that verse and think about what God is saying and you'd say, I must be saved. I need to be saved. Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, he lived a life absolutely free of sin. No sin in his life. And he went to the cross. And there he died, yes, for the sins of the world. But, oh, friend, in a such, such a much more personal way. On the cross, Jesus Christ died for our sins. But could you tonight consider that Jesus Christ died for my sins? There on the cross, suffering. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. If there's anyone here tonight and you would identify as a sinner, the news of the gospel, the good news is this. Jesus Christ died for sinners. I remember when I was just a boy of 10 years of age, I would, you know, consider born in a Christian home, not consider myself all that bad in this comparatively to most people in this world. Pretty sheltered, if you would. But I understood one, one night when I was 10 years old, I'm a sinner. And if Jesus Christ died for sinners, that includes me. And by those three words that Christ cried on the cross one night when I was 10 years old, some 26 years ago, I understood this. If Christ said, it is finished, what could I as a 10-year-old little sinner in northern Canada ever add to that? To the work, to the perfection achieved at the cross by the Son of God. And God is satisfied in that. And I can rest tonight where God rests. I can rejoice tonight where God rejoices, where God is satisfied. In the finished work of his son. There is salvation in no other tonight. You know what? Maybe you could stop and consider. There's salvation for me. Salvation for me. I'll just close with the story of a, a tragedy that took place of the RMS Atlantic. A ship that traveled between Liverpool, uh, United Kingdom and New York City. Back in the 1800s. And during its 19th voyage. April 1st, 1873, at midnight, the captain went to bed and he told, he left his second officer and his fourth officer in charge. He said, wake me up at 3 a.m. Because we'll be starting to get closer. We need to make preparations as we arrive and get closer to New York City. And at 3.15 a.m., April 1st, 1873, at full speed, that ship crashed into the rocks just off the coast of Nova Scotia in Canada killing at least 560 people of around the 950 on board. Every single woman and child, save for one child, perished. Every single woman, every single child. 560 perished in that terrible tragedy. And believed to be aboard that vessel was a business owner from the province of Newfoundland in Canada. And as the news came in and Many, even more at that time, were considered to have been lost in the, in the wreckage. The partner of this business owner decided to close the store. He wouldn't be able to keep it running with his own resources. And some five or six days later, that partner 
received a telegram. Hard to communicate back then, no text messages. He received a telegram with only one word on it. And he knew exactly who it was from. It said this, saved. Saved. And his business partner, after the chaos had cleared, and after he being able to survive that crash, wanted to communicate one word to his business partner and his family. And it was this, saved. And they took that telegram. And they framed it. And they reopened the store and they put it up above the door. Because every time that business owner would come in and he would leave at the end of the day and go home, you remember that tremendous day when he was saved. When he was saved. Friend, tonight, there's no greater message that could be sent from you to your family, to your friends, or just to God himself. And it'd be this. I came in tonight and I was lost. I was trusting in salvation in another, where there is no standing, where there is no foundation. Oh, tonight that you would understand and realize that according to God's word, according to God himself, the God of heaven, the God who created you, there is salvation in no other name than in Jesus Christ. And that this could be the telegram, the, the text message that is sent out from you tonight. Saved. Saved from a lost eternity. Saved from my sins. Saved and on my way to heaven. Well, friend, tonight that you would appreciate the clarity, sincerity, and simplicity of this. There is salvation in no other. But in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. May God bless his word to your heart. I'm enjoying God's salvation. I am so thankful that I found out that Christ died for me. God loved me, and Christ died for me. I have peace. I'm anchored in life. I'm not on a spiritual journey where I'm hoping that around the next corner, I'm going to find something that satisfies. I have Christ, and I'm satisfied, and I'm anchored for life. There is salvation in no other, as you've been hearing. And while Corey was just speaking to you, I was looking at these, uh, I'm colorblind. I don't know what color these are. These um, Blue, okay, not purple. All right, I was going to say purple. Um, and I was just looking at the beautiful, those are Bible verses. I don't know whether you've read your Bible lately. If you haven't, a Bible will get you a Bible. But the Bible has a message of salvation for you. There is good news. And you can be absolutely 100% sure that you confidence and peace. I don't know what you have tonight. As you look into the future, towards the end of 2023, 2025, 2030, 2035, do you have hope? Do you have confidence? Are you absolutely sure? A lot of things we can't be sure of. We don't know for sure whether we'll survive a car accident. We don't know that. Or whether we'll have our, the job that we have. We could be dis we could be discharged um, next year. But you can be absolutely sure of heaven. Look at this one. This is a faithful saying and worthy to be accepted by everyone or worthy to be embraced by everyone that Christ Jesus came into the world for what purpose? To be a teacher? Yes, he was a teacher. To be a moral, ethical leader? Absolutely, he was that. But he could never have been my savior 
if all he had come to do was to be a teacher. Someone had to be punished for my sins. Someone had to take my place. Someone had to pay my debt of sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul said, of whom I am chief. Do you know that Paul wasn't always a Christian? The one who wrote those words. He was a... That was a long preamble to what I, where I want to get to this evening. You've been hearing about their salvation and no other but Jesus. You know, you could come to this church the rest of your life. Not this tent, because it'll get cold in the fall. But there, we, we do have church buildings. You could leave wherever you're attending and come to our church and attend for the rest of your life and never be in heaven. Our church has nothing to do with a person getting to heaven. We couldn't take you to heaven. There is salvation in no other than Christ that you've been hearing from Corey, from the word of God. And so this is not about church. This is about a man, Christ Jesus. If you have never explored or investigated the person of Jesus Christ and how we know he was God in human flesh, we encourage you to take the time because if he indeed neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear you. So he's not hearing impaired. He's got excellence. He's got an excellent set of ears, so to speak. He can hear you. He could hear the faintest cry of your heart tonight. We would never hear what you may cry from your heart, but God can hear. But here's the issue. Verse two. This is why we have a gospel service like this. It's not, again, it's not a church membership bribe. The reason why Corey is not employed in Ontario uh, and living to climb the corporate ladder to make money, to make a name for himself, the reason why we do this is not about joining a different church. It's about Christ Jesus and there is an answer for your biggest problem in life. I don't know what you think your biggest problem in life is. Maybe money problem, maybe a relationship issue. But we're going to read about the per a person's biggest problem. Verse 2. But your iniquities or your evil or your offenses or your sins have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I was never great at math or uh, any of that. But there is a simple mathematical symbol in this verse. So for the younger folk um, here tonight, I don't know whether you can tell what, what it's not an addition sign in this verse. Let me read it again. It's not an addition sign. And it's not a multiplication sign. Your iniquities or your sins have separated between you down here and your God up there. And your sins have hid his face from you. Well, you don't have to be a, a scholar in math to recognize the mathematical symbol. It looks like this. 
the division sign. See? Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins. So the sin that's between you and your God. That's why we have a gospel. That's like a hot night like this in July. You say, what is with these people anyway? Where is this? This is bizarre. Coming to this and suffering through the heat to listen to two Canadians talk about all this stuff. What is with you guys anyway? I'd say this is a pretty big reason to be here. There's something separating between you and your God. And the Christians here are so concerned that you hear this message that they did this last summer. They're doing it again this summer. They're not charging a big fee for you to get in here. Their big concern is that you don't live the rest of your life separated from God. It's one thing to live this way. Can you imagine dying that way? Separated by your sins. So there's a really serious side. Like, yes, there's good news. Good news because this is a, such a serious problem. Now let me talk to you just about those three things for the last 15 minutes of this meeting. You, I want to talk about you. Your God. And then it says, your sins. Just those three points. So, you. We're all here as a group tonight. But will you let God single you out as if you're the only person in the tent? You. You. And don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Have you personally ever thought about your relationship with God? You. Allow God to speak to your heart. Because sometimes we can get our own ideas and we can be deeply entrenched in our own belief system and our own thinking. I think probably everyone here tonight would probably agree there is an almighty God. Almighty God. A, a master designer of the universe. The creator. Aren't you concerned about your relationship with him? Allow God to speak to your heart. So let me ask you, who are you? Are you just another species on the planet? Just another species on the planet? You're just the product of some evolutionary process? Really? Are you just a collection of 200 bones and knuckles and 600 muscles and 60,000 miles of blood vessels through which a lot of blood in a run of 70 years is pumped by that old heart of yours. 46 million gallons. If you live to be 70, your old heart, that old heart is going to put through those 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. 46 million gallons of blood if you live to be 70 years old. But friend, really, 
Are you just a collection of bones and muscles and tendons and blood vessels and organs with some skin stretched over it. Some of us are getting a bit saggy. And upon which you, uh, we talked about cosmetics the other night, upon which you apply some cosmetics and then pull over some fancy clothes. Is that all you are? Collection of bones and muscles with some skin stretched over it? Who are you? God is a creator, and God has dignified you and me in a way that no other created being on earth, no animal has the dignity of a human being. They have instincts. We have a very intelligent cat, more intelligent than everybody else's cat, we think. Um, dogs are very smart. They have instincts, and you can train them. But God has blessed and dignified the human being with, this, with the capacity to make informed choices, to look at the pros and the cons, weigh up the facts and balance it, and to exercise your own will. He has created, created you with the capacity to enter into a relationship, a meaningful, intelligent relationship with God. You're not a, an animal like a four-footed animal. You are distinguished in all of God's creation. You are the crown and jewel. We were made in the image of God. That's what the Bible teaches. No matter who you are, where you are in the world, or what your lifestyle is in the world, Everyone has the image of God imprinted on us. But we're broken because of sin. You must admit that there's a problem with, with us. The gospel demands that the you, your sins, that the you be real. That's one of the reasons why some people come one night and don't come back a second night. Because look at we spend so much time trying to be a nice person and learn proper etiquette, and to try to speak appropriately, and to try to have better habits. We work so hard at improving self, and then we come to a gospel service like this, and we open the Bible, and it says, but your sins have separated between you and your God. And we have things in our closet, the English idiom is skeletons in the closet. Things that we have done in the past and we have closed the door on that part of our life and we have turned the corner and we're trying to forget about it. And then you come to a service like this and the Bible reminds you about your sins. Exactly what you're trying to forget. Friend, if you are ever going to be right with God, you are going to have to be real with God. In the word of God, the Bible Hebrews chapter 4 says it's living, it's powerful, it cuts through all the layers. It takes down, it dismantles the facade, it exposes the camouflage, the veneer, and it exposes who we really are in our human heart. And I think if you're honest tonight, you'd say, yes, I struggle with sin. Not everybody knows that I have sinful thoughts. But yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect. I wouldn't, I'm not holy like God. 
Well, that's exactly what the Bible says. Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned. We're all in the same boat. That's why we all need the same Savior. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So who are you? You know, um, there's a religious you. We could be one way at church or wherever we go and, um, to practice our religion. And then we can be another you in the workplace. And then on a wild weekend, we can be another you. God wants you to be upfront. He knows who the real you is. And he would just like you to be honest about that. God, you are right. I try to be a nicer person. And that's good. Keep up. Keep it up. It makes you a good neighbor and it makes you a good employee. We're not denouncing good works at all. As long as you understand that good works don't get you an inch closer to God. If I could get closer to God by the things that I do, closer and closer and closer, then why did Jesus come into the world to be the Savior? Maybe you're concerned about your bad habits. What you need to be more concerned about is, why do I have bad habits? Why? And the gospel message, the Bible gets at the why. I have those thoughts. Why? I don't want anyone to trace my history online. Why? I have those impulses when I'm driving the car to bang the steering and get road rage. You know what I'm talking about? Like, where did that come from? I have a decent, peace-loving person. And all of a sudden, where did that side of me come from? It's inside. It's inside all of us. And God is just looking for you to be real and say, yes, God, you're right. That is who I am. I'm a sinner. And I have read and I've discovered in your word that my sins are a barrier to a holy God. Separates me. Do you know the Bible says every idle or careless word that people speak, we shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. We are accountable to this God. The Bible says there's a day coming when God shall judge the secrets of men and women by Jesus Christ. That's Romans chapter 2. Do you have any secrets that you wouldn't want us to write on the wall here if we found out? You say, I would be out, out to the parking lot in a flash if some of my secrets were on this, on this vinyl. The Bible says there's a day coming, if you don't have your sins forgiven, when every secret will be exposed and you'll deal with not the Savior. You'll deal with the judge. In that day, he'll be the judge. That's what the Bible says. But in this day, he's your Savior. You know, he would love to reach into your life right now. That's what the whole concept of grace is. God leaning towards you. You don't have a Christian friend out of coincidence. God is working at, in your life. This God, he's leaning towards you, trying to draw you to himself. 
He wants to save you. He wants you to have this barrier removed. He wants you to have a relationship with himself. That's the heart of God. Let's talk about God now. Your God, your sins have separated between you and your God. Um, I was thinking of stopping in at Home Depot this afternoon. I was going to get, get a measuring tape. You know, the carpenters use the, the thing they pull out and then it rolls, it, it rolls back up. Um, I'm not a carpenter, but I was going to get a measuring tape at Home Depot and bring it here. Because, you know, sometimes when we're on stage, it sounds like we're pretty big talking people. And when we're in the coffee, coffee break or at Starbucks and we're talking to our friends, we have all these grand pronouncements. Well, I think there is no God. People have made an, a living out of saying there is no God. And I was going to get a measuring tape and just pull out six feet and say, this is how big we are in God's universe, six feet. Little six-footers on planet Earth saying there is no God. Do you think he's shaking in his boots up in heaven? Because someone said there is no God? No, friend, tonight we encourage you to be have a right relationship with God. The amazing thing is that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with a six-footer on planet Earth. Did it ever cause you to wonder why would he ever love me? If he really knows this sinful heart that I have, that's the, I don't know uh, your background. I can tell you that the God of the Bible is not a mean-spirited God. He's not a capricious God. He's not a vindictive God. He's not an arbitrary God that is unpredictable. He's a holy God. And he's a God that must judge sin. But he's a God of love and a God of grace. And he wants to bless you tonight. He wants to remove this barrier. And that's why his son went to the cross. He looked at all of us. You know, I could say my prayers. I could go to church every weekend. I could be baptized. I could go through all the rituals of being a Christian. But none of that would remove this barrier of sins. The Bible says about our sins, by grace you are saved. By grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And then it says, it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. There'll be no one up in heaven saying, singing um, Frank Sinatra's song. I did it my way. That's a poor rendition. But there'll be no one up in heaven saying, I did it my way. Anyone who will be in heaven will be able to say, I'm here because Christ died for my sins and because there is salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given amongst people whereby we must be saved. I'm up here because God's have separated between them and me.
That's an awful way to live life because you could have peace. You could have the joy of sins forgiven. You could have a robust relationship, vertical relationship with God. Not really. We're not here to really. I would be back in Prince. It's PEI. Like I'll give you a tourism brochure afterwards if you need one, a verbal one. It's a great place in the summertime. Um, but we're, you know, I could stay home. If this was about religion, I would be home in PEI and the warm ocean waters soaking up the sun in the hot sand beaches between the sand dunes. But this is not about religion. This is about you having your sins forgiven, this barrier removed. And you're probably familiar a little bit with the cross. In order for you to have your sins forgiven, how could those dots ever be connected? Exactly. Just, wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you like to go to sleep tonight connected with God? Yes. The eternal God. I'm accepted by God. I have found me had a, had a relationship with God. There's only one way. It's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who paid sin's penalty in full. And he left nothing for you to do. It says, we, I read it, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. It is a gift of God. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. It's pretty explicit, isn't it? Crystal clear. And tonight, he paid the full price. It's a free gift to us. But it's a tremendous expense to God. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our prayer is, you know, we were praying out behind the tent here this evening. We're not doing anything weird um, <laughs> behind the tent. We're just a few of us and we get there. And, you know, I never heard one of the Christians praying that they would become members of our church. I've been here. I was here last year and I never heard that prayer prayed. Do you know what I'm hearing them pray every night? Oh, God, save their precious souls, that they might have the joy of their sins forgiven, that they might finally have peace with God, that they may become a possessor of eternal life, that they may respond to your grace. That's our prayer. And that's our prayer for you tonight as we conclude this service. Our prayer is that you won't go to sleep tonight with that barrier separating between you and your God. Christ died for our sins. And the moment you place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the barrier is gone and, the, and uh, you're accepted by God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're thankful that the message from the word of God is not cloudy or difficult to understand. There are complex things in the Word of God, the Bible, but when it comes to the, our most important 